Assalamualaikum everyone and welcome back to the Muslim Century podcast. I'm your host Aman Durrani and as you know this podcast is an opportunity to educate, inspire and entertain on all issues related to Muslim life. So it's the middle of Ramadan 2020 and quite an unusual Ramadan for many uh, with the whole Covid situation going on. Hope you're keeping well for yourselves and your families. Despite it being one of the most unusual Ramadans for most of us, it seems to be going really quickly and we're already past the halfway mark. And before you know it, it'll be Eid and I guess people are already discussing what an unusual Eid it could be and how that will be celebrated. The podcast today is one that I recorded in 2017 as part of the Desert Island Gems series of season one. And my guest today is a really fascinating person called Adim Yunus. He's an entrepreneur and founder of singlemuslim.com, which many of you will have heard about, and also a charity penny appeal. In this podcast, he talks about how he established singlemuslim.com and the thinking behind it, and also how charity work also changed the direction of his life. And usually he talks about the success of chocolate curry. So that was one thing that I wasn't expecting to, to hear about. I hope you really benefit from this podcast, and if you do, please like and share and subscribe on all the usual podcast channels. We're also on our social media, so again, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we look forward to seeing you again next time. You're listening to Desert Island Gems, an in-depth and intimate interview where we ask our guests to select meaningful gems that they would take to a desert island if they were cast away alone. We hope that the journey inspires you and helps you reflect. So our guest today is Adim Yunus. Described as an online entrepreneur and 21st century matchmaker, Adim is the founder of singlemuslim.com, the Muslim marriage introduction service which has over 2 million members. Over recent years his focus has been the charity Penny Appeal, which he founded in 2009 and currently works in over 30 countries around the world. Quite an achievement for a Wakefield lad who has not even reached the age of 40 and started off in a small office above a fast food shop. So brother Adim, welcome. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. So you're currently on the road with Penny Appeal touring the UK with a new feature film called Finding Fatima. Tell us a bit about the film and how did the idea come about? We've still not managed to find it actually. So Finding Fatima. Finding Fatima is a, a full length romantic comedy feature film and it's been taken it's before the general release. Penny Appeal have taken it up and down the country to showcase it and the kind of narrative behind it to the Muslim audience, to the mainly Muslim audience, uh, to help fundraise for the um, the famine that's currently happening in East Africa. The reason that we've got behind the feature-length film is that it, there's a lot of issues that are highlighted in the film that we believe are very, very kind of general to the British Muslim community. And it's the British Muslim community that have donated so heavily and that are supporting Penny Peel so heavily that's allowing a lot of our international work to be done and UK work to be done done as well, where, where one of the UK's fastest growing charities, we're one of the largest charities in the Muslim sector. And I'm very, very proud of that fact when it comes to kind of showcasing what we do here and also when we deliver aid on the, on the ground in the developing world, in war-torn countries, in disaster zones, when we're there and we represent the British Muslim community and we're, we're able to say, look, these donations, this emergency aid, this home, this shelter, this, you know, this, this, this water well, this life-saving aid has come from the British Muslim community. It makes, it makes me extremely, extremely proud. So it kind of takes, you, takes us back to what, what do we do to create awareness of, of our work 
in the UK and how do we increase our kind of domestic footprint, what we call Penny Peel working at home. And part of that work is to support initiatives within the British Muslim community to help create awareness on a lot of the issues that the film highlights. So a lot of people say, you know, what is the connection? I think that the connection is very, very deep. And the connection is that we do care about the British Muslim community. A lot of people don't know as well that the, the trustee board at Penny Peel even though vast majority, not all, but vast majority are Muslims, but all of the trustees at Penny Peel are British-born. And again, you know, when a lot of charities, their board might be made up of people from the South Asian subcontinent, might be made up of people from the Middle East or from Africa who are born in countries outside the UK. It's not a problem, not, not a problem whatsoever. However, what I found in my experience is that those trustee boards then care more about how they work in the countries of where of their birth whereas i feel that penny peel and the board here does care and we have a huge responsibility of you know the the restricted donations we have so if somebody donates to east africa every single penny of that has to reach east africa however what we do care about as well is we care about what we're doing here in the uk and what our future here in the uk as well is because we don't we don't think that we're, we're anything anything else we don't think that we're going to go anywhere else we're not going to take hijra anywhere else we're not going to go back and establish you know anything we, we we do believe that we are part of the british muslim community here mm. so alhamdulillah there's a lot of innovation within the charity penny peel there's a lot of things that we've done the first time there's a different ways that we feed back to our donors there's different ways that we make sure that we're transparent there's different initiatives that we've taken and finding fatima the movie supporting the movie and and helping it kind of create that awareness and the movie helping penny peel create those much needed funds is, is one of that, those initiatives. And did you find, in terms, I guess, the choice of going for a feature film, did you, did you feel that there was a deficit in the British Muslim community in terms of this whole aspect of arts and culture and filmmaking? Is that something, were you trying to plug a bit of that gap as well? You know, st- storytelling is very, very powerful. You know, there's, there's many stories in, in terms of people could say that Pran is, you know, full of stories and kind of like, you know, prophetic happenings and the hadith is stories of individuals uh, uh, and how they live their lives. And, you know, what we, what we hear is stories about the people and what we what we want to do is show a story of Muslims living in the UK our story and support someone telling our story as well and we found that British Muslim TV is doing this really really well and we had a go at doing this a couple of years ago with American Sharia the movie tour with Omar Reagan who's um, LA based and he's a Chris Tucker's double in Rush Hour 2 fantastic fantastic chap we initially trialed it out with him and it worked really really well and we raised some amazing amazing amount of funds but what what the tour also enabled us to do is feedback to our donors feedback to those individuals that came to watch the movie and you know this is this is very very similar there is a massive the real story of muslims is missing and a lot of the times when people journalists approach me uh, it's, it's after an attack or it's after some sort of a incident around the world in the UK and they say Adeem what do you think to this Adeem what do you think to that and really to be honest with you I think the same as any other person in the UK I don't think any different I don't know anybody that does anything different our problems as British Muslims are the same as British Christians British Jews British atheists our problems are exactly the same our problems at home our problems with families our problems with the community those kind of things so this is about being seen to be the same in those locations. You know, what I say as well is that because of the nature of what's going on right now, you have to be doing, and we always do, I believe, as Muslims, we always do, but we have to be seen to be doing good as well, and we have to be seen to be doing more, and we have to be seen to be you know, integrating more. And the buzzword about these, you know, integration and social cohesion and so on and so forth, I think rather than just talking and you know, lecturing each other, you know, this is a way of actually doing and influencing and kind of like participating and showcasing. And I think that is very, very important as well. Excellent. 
let's come on to your first piece. Um, you're going to go on this desert island and you've selected some items that you're going to take away with you. So what's the first gem and item that you'll take with you? The first gem is uh, verily with hardship that is relief. It's a beautiful piece and I think in many ways it's what I've seen from a lot of different people and it's what I've seen from my own life as well. And you don't actually realise that there's that when you're in the hardship you think this is the most the biggest struggle in the world. You don't you don't you, you think there's nobody else that's going through this. But you know, when you when you come out of the other side, as humans I think we always forget. When we're at ease we forget about the hardship. When we're in hardship we forget about ease. And I think this keeps me going and I was constantly reminding other people about this as well. Alhamdulillah, you know, you're successful you've come a long way you know we established businesses and charities etc so some people might say there's a lot of ease at the moment are there times when you have when you can recall things being very difficult have you had those real downs before the ups you know there's downs and I, and I always call it persistence beats resistance in an, in another kind of way when I've had lots of ventures lots of failed ventures lots of kind of ideas that haven't worked and even ideas that are now people see as being successful they weren't always successful you know they they took a lot of time to jelly and they took a lot of time to bed in they lot, lot, took a lot of investment time but alhamdulillah you know the, the, that hardship that was the, the effort the time it took and now it's almost like there is a relief that I don't see it being as a relief as an overall you know but you what you do you become at peace with it and you see the fruits of your labor that are coming out I mean have there been times when you've felt like giving up or saying this is just not worth it or you know at a really low point have you, have you had any of those experiences in the past I'm not the kind of individual that kind of ever thinks about giving up or kind of having low points I think the harder it gets the better I get <laughs> in a funny way I think my my best work comes out of when I am um, battling the hardest but with singlemuslim.com I see this all the time in terms of people that are going through hardship people that are looking for a, a good pious partner for the right reasons to uh, you know complete their faith and they're going through that hardship because they want to look for something that's right they don't want to they don't want to just take what's available or they don't want to just kind of do something for the wrong reasons and it takes that inner strength to be able to do that people that are looking for the first time individuals that might have been divorced and that are going and that battling that separation child divorce stigma and how they how they how they overcoming that and alhamdulillah so many times we have over five marriages every single day how that then becomes really when they find that person how that then becomes relief when they when they have that set up uh, and I've seen it through my own experience as well alhamdulillah married four children and you see that relief in the sense that you feel that my god you know that that was a testing time it felt like a hard time in, in, in that sense and it's something that goes through us all with everybody not every day some days you wake up happy some days you wake up you know kind of challenged some days you wake up frustrated some days you know you wake up with different sets of issues and problems and so on and so forth and and I think it's, it's just about shukr for me it's about alhamdulillah we, we should say alhamdulillah thank god when you're in hardship for testing us not testing us too much and you know say thank you in ease as well for removing those hardships and not for for not having that hardship at that at that moment in time and you mentioned singlemuslim.com um and you launched that in 2000 and we mentioned that you perhaps got over 2 million members can you give us an idea what what was the initial inspiration to set up singlemuslim.com and gives a sense of how how quickly did the business grow and you know the scale of it because that was your perhaps your first major success or the, yeah perhaps yeah. what you're best known for that, no definitely definitely so singlemuslim.com was set up whilst i was still at college so how old would you have been um i was 19 at the time and you weren't married i wasn't married i was i was desperately searching it wasn't a zuckerberg <laughs> moment where I set up facebook to, for his own means was it to help you out as well or was it uh 
more altruistic. <laughs> no, no, no. Of course, of course. You ultimately, it was a time when there was a lot of talk about marriage. Mum wanted me to get married. Family wanted me to get married. Every time you're at a wedding or a family occasion, it's like, when are you going to get married? And and then when you go to university, when I'm when at that time, I was at kind of between college and university. When you're there, you see the the Islamic organisations and Salamalikum brother, Salamalikum sister, and everything's divided. And, and you know for the fact that you meet so many brothers that are amazingly gifted, well, polite, mannered from good families, and they're searching desperately. Then the, on the other side, you meet some amazing sisters, and they're, they're exactly the same. They're from good families. They have everything going for them. They're well educated. They've got a good background. They've got good intentions, uh, and they want what's good for them. But they just there's no connection. There's no platform. You go to the masjid, and sadly, you know they're on a different wavelength. You no, know, we're listening to a radio station now. But our our wavelength is different. When you go to the mosque, our parents' wavelength is different. Our grandfathers' grandfathers' wavelength is different. The scholars in the masjid's wavelength is different. My understanding and my thinking is different to anybody that's you know early twenties and you know the next generation, the millennials. Everybody is on a bit of a different wavelength so how do you connect how do you get different different people to connect from different backgrounds how do you get different people to connect from different age groups and it was just very very simple my backgrounds marketing design and digital we i had a small business at the time uh, designing for print designing for web so i thought why not set up a website called singlemuslim.com help people find other people suitable people people of a similar background for the purpose of marriage and it was it was more it was more just set up just to kind of like have a go than anything else did, did you know at the time this was going to be big no idea and in fact i didn't even set it up to be big i just set it up to be small i set it up to help people that were in my situation possibly to help people in and around the west yorkshire community it was a time of the the first iraq war um and there was the kind of anti-war demonstration in london and i was involved in that and i was kind of a passionate about kind of not going to war and finding a peaceful solution and being a kind of an activist in that way but at the same time I, I took the opportunity to print out some flyers cut them up and make little print off A4 sheets cut, cut them into bit pieces and make small little flyers and I took them and my, my kind of chant at the the, the, the anti-war demonstration was make love not war and as people and so was, it was advert for single Muslim and it was advert for single Muslim an entrepreneur for you <laughs> every opportunity <laughs> and it was you know people were going past and it's like they were you know holding these leaflets and they were looking back and they were smiling at me and they were looking back and smiling at me like make love not war <laughs> make love not this is my little way of saying you know yes you know let's it's, it's about peace it's about kind of love and kind of unity but at the same time it, I, I was there and I was taking that opportunity absolutely because I knew there was a, a vast number of you know single Muslim type demographic that was out and the real success the real kind of turning point for me was uh, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf was in Bradford and he, he was at a community um, event in a, in a mosque what I did was uh, before that I was I was handing leaflets out the similar kind of leaflets the kind of you know homemade flyers to university societies and college societies and so on and so forth in in and around West Yorkshire. I was in Bradford and I was doing the same outside the mosque. The mosque was packed, so I stood outside handing these leaflets out. And a big gladiator-sized brother came up to a friend of mine and says, "Who owns this single Muslim?" And my friend looked and he, and he looked up at me and I thought, "Oh my God, we're going to get such a beating now. He's going to just come over and smack me or something." So I just moved my friend out of the way. I says, "Brother, how can I help?" Yeah, I set the website up. The guy gave me this big almighty hug and he almost was going to kiss me as well. He goes, "Thank you, thank you very much, Jazakallah." Brother Jazakallah, I took your leaflet from so and so, so and so, so and so place. I found my wife and we we got married and blah blah blah. And I looked up and I was like, wow. Do you know what I mean that's amazing? So because of the platform that we've set up, because of the marketing that we've done, and because of the awareness that we've created. You are now married, and he says, "Yeah, because a single Muslim, I'm now married." And that was it. That was the point of no return. It really was kind of like bang. And do you know how many people you've connected over the years? I mean, what sort of scale are we talking about? So, this, so on average, it's about five a day. 
that's only the ones five. that marriages are there. Yeah, you're web, via the v- via the website. Yeah, yeah, and th- th- those are people that leave the website and say we're we're leaving because we have found a, a marriage partner. And there's so many more people that that don't tell us and that maybe don't even delete their profiles and so on and so forth. But totality is about fifty thousand. Gosh. 50,000 marriages across the world uh, and you know thousands of children now as well we're going to have like people emailing me all the time and thanking me and showing me pictures of baby photographs and such like it's wonderful clearly you must have met with some resistance when you launched because it was different and I guess you know I can imagine people using describing it as a dating website etc how did you sort of face those sort of criticisms and was it I mean what was how would you distinguish yourself from all these criticisms yeah so the, the story that I give there is one of my aunties um, wonderful auntie and uh, what she did initially is she, she she asked me to come to her house I went to her house and she was very cold and hard with me and, and she sat me down and she gave me a really good telling off she goes how, who do you think you are where do you think you're doing she didn't even understand what, what, what I was doing and she's like you know we don't do this kind of thing our people don't do this and you shouldn't be doing what you're doing and you should leave the marriages and you know the, the rich stay to the elders and I thought okay that's fair enough auntie thank you very much for, for telling me off and she goes, go on, get out of here. And uh, and I think she heard from the community what was, you know, like it's just what whisper, whisper, whisper. A few months later, the same auntie asked me to come to her house, but this time it was a very loving and gentle. And she got the tea out and water out and juice and cakes and how are you? And and this same auntie asks me what I do all the time, like so, what what are you studying at university? <laughs> Every time I see her, like, what do you do <laughs> at this, university? Was a smosa and pakora and chai. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. And uh, she says, look, I need you. Uh, I need you to help me find a rishta. I need you to help me find a girl for my son from that machine of yours <laughs> so uncle worked at a factory so clearly I must be have you know I must have a machine to find Rishte yeah I mean I agreed to help her I agreed to help her son within within about six months period we, we find him we found him somebody and it was really as easy as that and I think it, it, it's, it's that kind of not knowing not understanding what what the platform is all about singlemuslim.com it's a matrimonial website it's a service for Muslims by Muslims it's a platform where we encourage people to be truthful be honest be open but number one that you're, you're there and you're there for the whole the sole reason of finding, finding a marriage partner prerequisite is that you're a Muslim and you're single and highly highly recommend that family are involved it's not realistic and it's not kind of you know compulsory that you have family involved however if you do have family involved it does make it a lot better it look does make it a lot easier and and i, I do believe that it's kind of a, much more of a genuine offering and it's, it's it's easier to get married and am i allowed to ask did you find your wife on singlemuslim.com you know when i came when i when when i found my yeah i found my wife and when i came back to the office and i said to the guys i said look alhamdulillah i think i found it i found the one they were like okay boss Shall we close the website down now? <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. There's lots more need for the website. There's lots more deals out there. But alhamdulillah, yes, it worked. The, the service worked. Tell us about your next item. So the next item is another Quranic verse. Um, and hold firmly to the rope of Allah altogether and do not become divided. And why did you choose that? I believe whenever we, I've had success, whenever we've had success in what we've done, it's, it's, be, it's because of unity and it's because of our intentions and our kind of focus on what we've done. Singlemuslim.com came around because I, I believe that the intentions were correct. My intentions for myself, my intentions for what I wanted for others were correct. And I was trying to help people complete half of their half of their man. A lot of people do say to me, oh, the website's like this and website has this and website has that on it and so on and so forth. But ultimately, you know, everything is used for its intentions. You can use a knife to cut bread and to cut chicken and to help yourself and to feed yourself and to feed your family. But you can use knives to kind of murder, to rob, to steal, to do all sorts of other. It's how you use that item. And as a platform, as a platform for Muslims, it's used because 
if you need it it's there and it makes those connections and you know we live in in our own little communities and even within the communities we live behind in our own homes behind doors and in rooms and so on. and how do you how do you know who's who lives here there may, there might be some amazing people that live on that street but you never know who's living on that street and i've had some amazing amazing success stories where people have have met people quite literally who live down the road and not known about them uh, and have been finding somebody far and wide and been you know on this search all over the you know all over the world if not all over the country and then when they actually find somebody who connects with them it's the person down the road from mm. them. it's amazing so holding holding the rope of allah is about kind of saying staying strong and staying true to who you are and ultimately remembering for me who where you're from and where you're going to be going and how long this journey is very very short and i think if the if this journey of life you can you can help yourself but at the same time you can help others there's nothing more wonderful than that than that this aspect of faith and of islam has that been something that's been ever present in your life from quite a young age or was it something that you know you got more interested in as you got older <laughs> it's been part of my home from from when i can remember but it has got stronger and stronger from my own personal experiences what i've done what i've achieved what what are your earliest memories i guess what was life like growing up in wakefield and what was the household like so you know with myself a lot of people don't know this i lost my father when i was 8 years old father died of uh, cancer got two younger sisters and lived with uh, with my with my mom and lived with my granddad as well uh, my mom's father so my early early memory memories even though people might think oh my god you know it's uh, you know you it's a single parent at home and you've you've lost you lost your father and a lot of people did pity and a lot of people did feel sorry and a lot of people did think oh you know how how are you going to survive and what's going to happen with you but the home was very 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 loving very caring very nurturing very positive and very kind of like you know like anything's possible but at the same time it was very very practical as well waking up for fajr every morning you know making sure that you know you 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 write your principles your kind of you know you do right to the people you pray you go into the masjid you you kind of fast in and all the time in terms of remembrance remembrance of allah and doing right and doing good and doing you know helping other people even though people a lot of the time the community thought you know we needed the help but you know mum was always kind of busy in helping other people as well and doing what she could for the community and doing what she could for for us really so and were, were you the eldest of the siblings yeah yeah So did, I mean, did that? You feel that sense of responsibility from an early age? Then I guess haven't. Yeah, mum was my first role model. She really was. Mum was some, somebody that I always kind of looked up to. I never ever seen her with any downtime, down moments. and the negativity was always very very positive as always, you know. You know, you can do this, you will do this. You you know, yes, you can. And she worked hard. She she was uh, an entrepreneur. back in her time she seamstress she opened a, a shop in the market and then she opened another shop close by on a on a retail street sold asian fabric you know tailored suits and so on and so forth got up early kind of like you know did her own thing and was a real role model for the people as well and kind of like go getter basically never ever felt never ever made us feel like we were second to anybody else you know at school when you go on trips and when you you know the your latest trainers and your latest jumpers and your bags and whatever we had all those because you know there was loads of income and there's loads of money that but mum didn't want us to be any different to anybody else and we never ever felt like that but what we did have we had a, a good solid alhamdulillah an islamic upbringing which showed us the values of kind of being good and what kind of good begets good and also hard work you know that there was always some there was always people that were doing the hard work at home and outside as well to kind of solidify and strengthen the family and with everything that you've achieved has there been a particular project that your mum is particularly proud of in terms of i guess any of you you've done a whole variety of projects etc is there that sense of you know she's 
been particularly pleased or proud of any of your particular projects? Because I know you've done a lot mm, of things mm, over mm, the mm, years. Mm. Or, or is it a case that often Asians don't, <laughs> Asian parents perhaps don't have those sort of conversations, but I guess it's different, you know. In terms no, she's of, always been very supportive of, yeah. of absolutely everything. So whatever I've done, it's been, that's fine. You know, look after yourself, make sure you do this. But, you know, just just being like a my rock and my pillar for absolutely everything. There's not been anything that she said, don't do or you can't do or, you know, you shouldn't do. It's always been, you know, try it carry on push yourself have you thought about this have you thought about that do you know what I mean it's really been a, a sport mechanism and I think that's the way that I've tried to run my organizations and that's where I'd like to be with my children is you know ultimately if you if you are given that choice I think with that choice comes great responsibility before you take an action you you think long and hard about that action as well because you're now free to do what you want to do you know sometimes if you rebel the whole kind of rebellion sometimes is like a mindless rebellion as well I'm going to do this because I'm not allowed to I'm going to do this because I'm going to prove them no it's not not might not be the correct way of receive, reaching the out out because the goal is not to prove anybody else wrong the goal is not to do something because you're not allowed to do it the goal should be to do something because you truly believe that this is the right thing to do and it's going to benefit you it's going to benefit wider society and it's you you're doing it because of a kind of a not just a, a lifelong but an eternal benefit to yourself and you know i've been part of the charity it's about it's about sadhaka jari it's about eternal eternal reward not just a reward that is going to be short-lived but a, a, a long a long-term investment to goodness and we know that i guess good deeds that we do will inshallah benefit you know our parents and people that have passed away and inshallah you know may allah grant your father the highest state of status in jannah and you know i guess I mean, I mean. all of these actions that you do any any good that you do inshallah you know he will be benefiting from that do you think that has having lost him at an early age do you think that has affected how you are as a father you mentioned you've got four children is that something that you think about sometimes or in terms of how you are as a father i think so and i think i think a lot of what i've done in a funny way has been has been only made possible because of the situation that you were, were in so again you know the the, the earlier quote uh, from hardship there's relief i think you know there, there has been hardship there's been clear hardship and there's been hardship not knowing because you know as a child you don't know what you don't know your family is your family you don't get a cho- you don't you don't go to a shop and say oh, I'll, have, I'll have one of those families or I'll have a family like this or, I don't want that in my family I want that you know you take or you have what you're given and that's it and that's what you know and I think at a very very young age mum did support support us and give us everything and we never had anything we live in a, a welfare society as well as welfare state so there's that kind of net that that's there anyway you don't you're not you're not kind of below certain threshold you'll be looked after very very well and it's only when i realized that when i went to pakistan and i actually went to my chacha's house so uh, went back to my dad's village and my dad's brother's home my dad my dad's brother's still around he's he's he's, he's healthy and he's, he's well and he's kind of like back back in the village i saw what what he had there and he doesn't have a lot in fact he has very very little there's no running water there's no electricity there's no gas there's literally nothing the village is very very rural uh, and i saw the house that my dad built there as well and you know stories from the village where people say you know before your dad left he built this house he, he built it with blood sweat and tears he worked so hard to build this house and you look at the house and it's so small and quite literally a mud hut you know my double garage has better it better insulation better structure better foundations you know my my garage has is of a better substantial 
substantial build quality than my father's house who put his you know put everything into that house and it's still there and it's uh, and I've not knocked it down or kind of rebuilt it or whatever because I, I like I like to see that as a reminder of the, the memory of of my father and what what he had there and, and what we have there and what we can say that's our own but what that did give me that gave me a, a real deep sense of if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was so generous to me and my family that you know my father came to the UK and we established ourselves here in the UK and we have what we have in the UK because of the the land that we live in it's so beautiful if roles had been reversed and my father was in Pakistan and my chacha and dad's brother came to the UK wow it would have been pretty much game over do you know what I mean imagine there's no opportunity there's no income there's no welfare state mum had mum would never have had the opportunities because she just wouldn't have been able to do what she did here in the UK to do what she could for us over there and even if she did the best it would have been very very limited to just doing the the household chores and maybe you know do helping out in the fields and whatnot so alhamdulillah i think that's one of my biggest inspiration with that kind of background in terms of family and you know what blessings that we've had so far and with understanding the fact that that could have been my situation you know it, it's allowed me to plow ahead and and really not take anything for granted and also not put in not put in much in the bank and take high risks because you never know life is you know life is not guaranteed my eldest child now turned 9 last week so you know she's she's got more time with her father than I've, I had with my father so you know my own in back of my mind I was like wow do you know what I mean that was like 8 cuz it psychologically does kind of It puts that it puts that milestone in your brain so it's like you know don't think about anything just kind of like chase your dreams do what you want to do do what you're passionate about make it happen make it real and 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 make it happen that's what i really did kind of focus on looking back now that's what i did with singlemuslim.com and really the penny peel the charity was set up on the basis that i wanted to make make that change myself and i wanted to help support individuals who if i was in pakistan i would have been classed as as an orphan because i don't have a father and i wanted to help other people that are in that situation that have no opportunities that have no nobody um and how how we can help those individuals tell us about your next item so the next item is another chronic verse it's allah does not burden a soul beyond that it can bear it's again very very similar it's a real motivational piece for me that even when we're in such hardship and when we're struggling so much we know that it's our faith that tells us that allah will does not we can we can you know bear this burden we can bear this what's what's going on with us and also i think it gives us gives us a a reflection on what other people are going through what the struggles and the challenges that other people are going through i certainly take a lot of strength when i'm going through any challenges to think about family and friends that are out there in the developing world people that I've seen in Africa, people that I've seen in the Middle East, war war zone survivors. I've absolutely lost everything, family and friends in Pakistan that I've seen and that I know that are going through such unimaginable kind of hardship and issues. And then I think and I reflect back on myself and I think, you know, wow, subhanallah, but that's nothing. Do you know what I mean what you thinking about and everybody I guess in that situation always can see that there's somebody that's better than him or her and some somebody that's perhaps gives a sense of perspective in terms of situation it gives you a, a huge perspective and also knowing that if you've got faith that you know that Allah will give you re- relief after the the hardship and that you know there isn't that burden isn't kind of like more than what you can you can bear you can bear this and you you can you can pull through this as well when i consider the projects you've been involved in adeem um it strikes me as some is that you're someone who's uh, always brim- brimming full of ideas and projects and you're probably heads buzzing from the moment you wake up to the, when you fall asleep would that be a fair assumption in terms of 
I guess all these the way that you think and see things and lots of ideas and are you always I'd, in yeah I've got I have more ideas than I can possibly ever ever kind of make happen in a lifetime um but it's always good and I think I think it always gives you it always gives you that sense of being able to improve so you you have brand new ideas and innovation that you think this is the next best thing is yes let's do this but then you also got smaller what I call little tweaks and polishes on what you're doing existing and I I always I always believe this actually is that the idea belongs to the person who makes it happen because of the nature of work that I'm in and because of the na- because of the n- number of people that I see people always say to me Adeem I had that idea that you've got Adeem I want to do this what you're doing and I oh, I want to do this and what about this and I want to do something like that they've done I'm like guys just make it happen you know what I mean stop talking about it just make it happen you know somebody came up to me the other day in London and said singlemuslim.com that was my idea and I had that before you had it and when you set it up that was I thinking I thought I've never ever seen you before in my life yeah so I'm really sorry for pinching your idea <laughs> but if it was your your idea then you should have made it happen you know just still sat there thinking that that was my idea I'm like no 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 just make it happen so yeah. how, how do you decide which projects you're going to focus on is it do you have a certain way of deciding look this is a project I'm going to focus on now or is it just organic and it just kind of comes out of if it feels right at the time yeah i think a lot of what i do is it's kind of heart it's a feel it you know i'm passionate about it and i want to kind of like really have that drive at that time and i think even though i do i do talk about pushing your dreams and following your dreams and you know making the impossible possible you still have to have the uh, that sense of you know what is reality right now how can you link this to link that to how do you pull this individually and pull this in pull that in and it's about kind of like grouping everything together and having a good team to make that idea happen so it really is just pushing the limits your own personal limits and pushing the limits of people of people around you and i've got i've got idea boards i've got you know maybe another 10 hot ideas and you know five really hot ideas and two next big ideas <laughs> so and i keep i keep putting them down onto my board i've got a trello board and i add ideas to that add a bit of description discuss it with a few people and and think how how likely is this now to become a reality and how much time have i got more than not now it's like it's it's about getting the ideas to fruition and pushing them through and and i do have a huge responsibility to be honest with you right now in terms of the brands that we we've already built to make sure that they they're performing at the best level as well because the responsibility is not just me and my my idea and my kind of wants and desires and kind of like wishes but it's now about people that do people that rely on us out of the projects and businesses that you've been involved in do any of them in particular have a special place in your heart or you particularly you know, that's that's your baby and that's your really special one you know i i say this to everybody whenever i get an opportunity is that we are so so great we are so so blessed and it alhamdulillah you know all, pra- all praise be to allah that we do what we're passionate about our fathers could not do this our you know where we're from in pakistan we don't have you know we don't have those options that you know you 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 you're born in a village and you have to do what villagers do which is plow the land you know harvest the land go pull the water from the wells you know you just live with the seasons it's winter it's summer it's spring whatever it might be and you got to do what you got to do because that's what you do that's the caste that you're born into that's the that's the village that you're born into that's what your your people do that's what your tribes do and when our fathers came to the UK what did they have to do they couldn't do what they wanted to do they had to work in the factories the foundries the the mills or whatever whatever to make that income for themselves we're blessed we're we're blessed to 
and I, I, I would say this, I never work. I've never done a day's work in my life. You know, if you, if you enjoy what you do, it's not working. I say I play and I play very, very hard. And everything that I've done and everything that we've, we've done as a team, we've, we've done because we enjoy doing it. So really, that we we enjoy doing everything that we do, and we really get a buzz off doing it because, you know, I I think that we I try to personally, and I, and, I, and I know we do as a team is make sure that we we do the best that we can, and we do it as you know in Arabic is the quality is where they sound to do it the best quality that you can do it do it in a professional way. I've read that you you're in the you're in Glasgow at the moment in the home of curries and the chicken tikka masala which is invented here. So I've read that you set up an Indian restaurant selling chocolate curry would you class that as one of your successes or failures or, I mean how did that come about because and, and was it popular hugely popular yeah chocolate so, curry chocolate curry was a, a, a massive success <laughs> it happened because you know at, at the time there was a success within the Asian community was owning a restaurant was owning a, a takeaway was you know driving a taxi and so on and so forth so I thought let's just give it a go what, what is what is this there, there must be something here so I set up a restaurant and I didn't just set up a normal restaurant the restaurant was uh, tech heavy online ordering facility takeout. There, w- it wasn't an Indian restaurant. There was no flock wallpaper. There was no elephants. There was none of that kind of traditional, typical stuff. It was very, very contemporary. You know, banquet seatings, Chinese oak floors. Very, 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 very modern. And with that modern environment, we had to have some kind of modern, kind of not not necessarily modern because chocolate curry is actually a very, very Mexican um, dish. Really? Yeah, yeah. But we kind of brought that back into kind of modernity almost in the sense of like let's 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 do this, let's put this on the menu. And we had we had newspapers, press, kind of radio stations up and down the country who were following the story. And from Wakefield, Bradford is is about half an hour away, and Bradford is a curry capital of. Of the UK, it'll, it'll be as uh, you know as known as, as Glasgow is. We we were invited by a local television news news channel to come to Bradford and do a piece on chocolate curry, and I thought that that was the kind of the the height of the success for me was when there's nobody in the whole entirety of Bradford who can come onto this news channel and talk about curry, when somebody from Wakefield, little old me, gets invited to Bradford to talk about curry, and that 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 really just was a pinnacle of like wow and be honest did you <laughs> like it? it chocolate curry is, is nice as a side dish okay but it's, it's, it's for me personally it was it was too full on it was a dish that was spoken about that had such media awareness that people used to come in and say is this the place that you sell chocolate curry <laughs> and i was like yeah yeah it is come on come come in come in and like you know it was it was amazing Fantastic. to have that but so, something that you kind of dreamt up and almost said Let's just give this a try to then become this signature dish that people are talking about and people are travelling for miles to come and taste. Tell us about your next item. So the next item is uh, be kind for whoever kindness becomes a part of something, it beautifies it. So it's all about being kind and it's a, it's a prophetic saying, whoever you touch or whatever you do through kindness is beautified because of that kindness. A good friend of mine once said to them, it's, uh, it's a giver's gain, and I have no idea where she, where she got that from, but she's, it's, there's actually a theory called giver's gain. If you give, you actually gain. And you know, then I see this as being part of that prophet. It's actually not my thinking. I think it's from my grandfather. I think it's from my parents. It's what I've been taught in family to be hospitable. I think as Muslims, we are extremely hospitable. You know, I've never known any, any place, any Muslim home that I've been to it's been time for food and you say, okay, we're going to eat now, so can you come back in half an hour? No, it's we're going to eat now, you have to join us, you must join us. You know, They will not eat themselves to make but make sure that you're fed and 
if you're traveling they know that you've come on a long journey come on come to my house have some tea have some water have some food sleep over you know get some rest here and i think it's all about looking after you. it's it's you know it's, if you look after other people they look after you absolutely beautifies everything doesn't it because that's that's beauty isn't it being cared for being looked after you know somebody showing you love and mercy um it's absolutely it's absolutely wonderful i think that that should be the basis of any communities and i've seen it within sadly within non non muslim communities where you know it's it's lunch time and it's okay we're having our lunch now um you know can you come back later or i don't want to eat this so i'm full now do you want some but it's the other way around in islam and as muslims we're taught the other way around if somebody comes in give them first and i always believe as well is that if there's what if there's enough for one there's enough for two and if there's enough for two there's enough for three and that that they just i don't know that kind of the blessing just comes from somewhere and i guess perhaps linked to that is i know you've done a lot of field trips with through the charity work that you do and what's it like to go on these field trips of the first one you went to and and i guess you know realizing that perhaps lives that are being saved or improved or because of i guess projects and work that you're doing you know thousands of miles away is it, is it quite a unique experience to go on these field trips i know you do a lot of work in africa etc yeah massive massive and and i always say to myself and i'd like to say to the kind of the team you know who are kind of ha- anybody that's heavily involved in the charities that you must go out at least twice a year to see how our work is affecting other people how our work is affecting humans you know not necessarily muslims at all we work with christian communities we work with hindu sikh communities in pakistan we work with kind of non muslim kind of atheist communities in iraq and and all of all around the world it's about you know kindness is not just a kindness of one person or another person kindness is kindness to any any other person not even a person kindness to to the environment kindness to animals kindness to yourself it's show kindness be kind feel trips put that kind of in you as well we've been to some you know real hard hard communities hard places and when you when you land there you you're you're not some you know high flying person from uk you're just a, a really tired kind of like hungry thirsty human being who's landed who's got who's had this long long journey and has turned up there and these people from these communities have just who have got burden of the shore uh, burden of the sh- world on their shoulders are now showing you kindness they're saying sit down have a rest have a drink have this food no 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 we don't want to eat we give you the food or this so and so let's get let's get you seen to dash now showing you kindness and you're thinking my god you know i'm he- i'm here to help you guys but in reverse you're helping me and i'm like wow and that's something that's uh, that's beautiful whoever you're kind to and whatever there is, that if there's kindness in that relationship it beautifies it and that, that that beauty is what grows your hearts together what grows you together and what what makes you stronger tell us about your next item um the next item is another uh, prophetic saying is none of you truly believe until he wishes for his brother what he wishes for himself and it's kind of coming on from that again is do you truly believe or do you are you even true to yourself if you want something different or you want something less for someone else than you want for yourself you know you should always want for others what you want for yourself and it's something that kind of my mum taught me at a young age is you know very very young age is you know if you've got if you if you share a chocolate or you share a cake or you share something if you have a bigger piece or a nicer piece you have to give that to the other person you know if you're making something and it almost like there's you feel that like you there's more in your plate you have to give that plate to somebody else and it's something that I try to even do now you know when you when you're doing something and it's like okay like 
you know, and I think it transactionally as well, there's a lot of, you know, successful cases, successful business communities, even now to this day, but when they've ever done a transaction, what they've always done is they've always given more away in their transaction in the marketplace when they when they've you know when they've when you've gone to get something like sugar or dates or whatever your your weight is five dates we want to put another two in for you and there you go and you see that a lot in the middle east as well when you when you go and you want some you know you go to buy something it's yeah there you go okay we'll put two two more three more in and that kind of shows the 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 kindness again that shows the generosity and that that op- in a, in a funny way it opens up your heart to the other person as well so because that because somebody's giving you more you almost want to give more back. Yeah. And it's like, subhanAllah, it's so many things in my everyday show me that Islam is the, the, the true religion, you know, the, the last religion, the kind of the, the religion that is that everybody should be aspiring to because, you know, it, it really kind of affects that thing deep down inside you and, you know, teaches you like basic, such basic, basic things. And, and I guess it sounds like, you know, obviously there's a part of your life where you perhaps spend a lot of time with people that have also done very well financially in business, etc., celebrities. And I guess there's that other extreme where you see, you know, you're, you're sitting on the floor in some mm. rural village, you know. Do you find those two extremes difficult sometimes in terms of, because I'm sure you're getting, you're invited to high-flying banquets, celebrities, that whole mm. lifestyle, and then... I guess you get grounded at some point with the mm-hmm. other reality, and is that is that something that really helps you find balance between between the two? It's a funny one, but because I guess it, has that ever been a challenge for you in terms of with wealth and success? Do you see people sometimes getting carried away with that? For for me personally, what it it makes me want to have less wealth. It makes me want to have. I, I really love. I really love spending time with the communities and the people that, in my experience, that don't have a lot. Because you know, I've always found them to be more generous. I've always found them to be more hospitable, to be more welcoming, to be be a lot more God fearing. And I think a lot of as humans, you know, when we the more we have, we feel like it's, it's because of my own achievement, it's because of my own strength, it's because of my own intelligence. And you become sort of kind of arrogant and kind of me, me, me. When you don't have that, you 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 are naturally made to made more humble. And it's about you know keeping your feet on the ground. And, do you again, sometimes feel out of place in some of these high flying events and with money and all this sort of stuff? Is that, is that no, not at all, not at all. To be honest with you, and I think I've always, I've always been that that kid at school who feels comfortable at the back of the bus, who feels comfortable at the front of the bus, who feels comfortable with the the geeks and the nerds, but feels as comfortable with the people who are good at sports and good at chilling out, and you know, uh, you know. And again, I guess it's a gift, it's a blessing that I've always had that in my life. And I think one of the one of the reasons, many many reasons, the the, the keys to success is being able to do that. And you know, in Wakefield, we've got a staff force of just shy of 150 for Penny Peel, and out of those, we've there's 13 different nationalities. A friend of mine who came. Uh, about a year ago and said look Adeem wow you've got so many different people working here from different backgrounds and I'm like I've never and I did a bit of a tally and there's 13 different nationalities people from Iran people from Somalia people from Sudan people from Uzbekistan people from Pakistan people you know people who are from Romania you know people from Poland people from all different different nationalities and the reason that that's possible is because I believe that you know we at the forefront of the team you know it's not about my brother my sister my community it's all about merit 
are you good enough for the job if you're good enough for the job i don't care what color you are what creed you are what what kind of sexual preference you have it doesn't make no difference whatsoever and i don't and i don't think it should and similarly if you're if you're at event and if you if you're with some of high flyers or if you're with some low flyers it doesn't make any difference really what makes a difference is how you are with those individuals it, what makes difference is how true you are to yourself how honest you are and what your you know what your intentions are and I, and, and i always pray that you know allah allah keep our everybody's intentions clean and and help us and you know we surround ourselves with people and company that that keep purifying those intentions and and reaffirming why we're doing things and making sure that we're doing things for the right reasons so deem what's the next item that you're going to take with you on this desert island So the next item is um it's a quote from Rumi it's about raise your words not your voice it is a rain that grows flowers and not the thunder I, you know I've got some great great role models in my life and I always aspire to be like those individuals when I think about the qualities that they have one of the biggest qualities that they have is that they've got they've got a, an amazing amazing way with words they've got a real kind of way of being able to explain themselves and being able to explain the environment and and the the bigger purpose around them it's not about raising your voice at all it's not about shouting the loudest it's not about being angry and kind of pushing and shoving your your opinions and your thoughts on other people it's about being professional and intelligent and having that intellect that in, enhances your ability to communicate and you know so raise raise your words and not your voice The next item is something a, a bit of a mantra really that we it's a cheesy one it's something that I kind of bounce around the office all the time and makes me really really happy to see it when it's when it comes into practice teamwork makes the dream work and it really is having having a great team that allows me to fulfill my dream bit of a po- poem there eh? <laughs> <laughs> um it's about once you've got the right people and it and it's more more about having a family having a good family everybody doesn't matter who you are if you work full time you spend more time at work than you will ever at home you know you have to have the right kind of environment at work anyway but it's not about having the right environment if you have the best environment at work you know it, you'll fulfill you'll fulfill those dreams that you want to do as a leader as a person who's in who's in charge of the organization who's set up the organization you want the best and you know singlemuslim.com is the largest muslim website in the uk it's one of the fastest growing and the largest muslim websites tech companies in the world that is specifically to muslim audience is up there within kind of a lot of the mainstream news articles about muslims and about you know the the the, the muslim economy and, and so on and so forth penny peel is the fastest growing charity in its sector is full of innovation twice guinness world record under its belt has numerous awards and and kind of like been recognized for so many different different varied things why because you know it's not because of me it's because of the, it's because of the team it really because we've got the best team make the best thing happen to make the best events happen to make the best of uh, any kind of situation whenever we hit challenges hardship it's the team that comes out with the solutions it's a team that gets us through and it's a team that's there to uh, enable that growth and to fulfill more and more and more dreams really and so how do you relax what do you do when if, if you ever get any time to relax I and mean, how do you like to wind down and just get sometimes you just need to get away from your day stuff you know so for me relaxing is 
it's working. It's, You're it's, a <laughs> I call it playing. So you know, I, I love I love playing. So I can, so don't can you go like, home and sit in front of the telly or just get away from it all and just have some time when you're not thinking about work. Honestly, you know, like it's it's not work. If you enjoy what you're doing, it's not work. Yeah, so my telly time is have the emails there as well, <laughs> or when when you're when you're praying or when you're kind of away with family, friends, even when you're on holiday, it's like oh we should have done this, we should have done that. When you when you have those ideas, you have those ideas all the time. And you, you alhamdulillah, we're so blessed that if you have an idea, you can just send a WhatsApp, you can just send an email, and it and, and it and it'll happen. And so does your family get involved in all this? In terms yeah, of your massively. Wife and your kids are they quite involved in all of your yeah, other yeah. projects? And even when they're not, I say. That by choice, or <laughs> a lot, a lot of it is, uh, yeah, not through choice. I don't think, but you know, even even when they're not involved, their kind of patience and their their support allows me to carry out what I'm doing, and and I think they're hugely proud of what we've managed to achieve and what what we've done and how the ideas that we've implemented are allowing other people to grow and to to realize their ideas as well. Because ultimately, you know, doing things that we've done, it opens the doors for other other people to actually think that this is this is real, this can happen, and this has happened. And if I can be a part of that process again, you know, in terms of act of goodness or doing something that's charitable, but being seen to be doing something that's charitable that encourages other people, you know, you then get the reward of that. And it's that kind of philosophy that that really gives me a buzz. That yes, if we can make it real, and if we can push that first door open to say, look, you can do it, then those individuals behind us that are going to be bigger than us, that are going to be better than us, that then push the the other five, ten, twenty doors because that first door is open. It's almost like being a trailblazer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then just sitting back and thinking, yeah, that's nice. So what makes you laugh, Adeem? The silly little things, I think, in terms of sometimes I think laughing at myself, you know, just some, that's done or we've managed to, managed to do that and we've managed to be, be able to... Is there a lot there. of laughter at the workplace? In massive, the office, yeah, all... massive, massive, massive. Because everything, again, I think the, the team really does enjoy themselves. So the, so the Guinness World Record that we achieved for the first time, a Guinness World Record is something that's you watch on television, don't you? That's impossible. That only the best of the best or the, you know, like the most dangerous stunts or whatever, they, they become the Guinness World Record because it's a world record. It's not just a record that you can achieve because of this, that, the other, it's actually a world record. So being able to have two world records for Penny Appeal is, is it was huge. And the first time that when we had, when we achieved that, it was just something something massive. It was just yeah, amazing, fantastic. Tell us about your next item. The next item relates directly to the charity. Um, and it's a it's a Chinese proverb: "Give a man a fish, and you feed him for a day." teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime and it's the philosophy that is deeply ingrained in the work of penny appeal what we don't want to be doing or what we don't want to be known for is doing charity for one day and feeding for one day a lot of the work that we do what we what we try to always even those feeding projects what you'll get behind is if you feed for one meal or five meals or ten meals what the systems will be doing and what the teams on the ground will be doing is putting into place horticultural gardens put into place being able to distribute animals livestock being able to kind of help people assist people and train people in terms of techniques and you know best practices and modern practices in terms of maximizing what they can get out of those feeding programs and it really is so true that you know you can you can change can change and you can save lives because of the way that you deliver aid as well so for us it's not it's not just about getting funds in for different 
the campaigns that we do. We do we do we do some of the the well, more well known campaigns within the Muslim sector with in terms of orphan care and building mosques. But there's certain things that we do that are not that are not kind of like known. Like we've got a campaign called Adopt a Grand. So it's basically end of life care, almost like sponsoring an orphan, but sponsoring an elderly person. And you don't realize a lot of the time in the developing world, people that are aged and that are kind of grandparents will give up their lives, will give up their medication, will give up their space and give up their food for their children and for their grandchildren. But why do they have to do that? They, they shouldn't have to do that. And it literally, it literally is just a matter of hydration, food, a little bit of attention, maybe a small bit of medication, quite literally will come off their deathbed and start walking and start talking again. And I've seen it myself. So it's those interventions to make sure that they're genuine interventions and to make sure that they're kind of more thought out interventions in the sense of sustainability in delivering aid rather than just kind of hand to mouth aid. And as we come to the, towards the end of the interview, the, I mean, thinking about everything that you've experienced in life and you're still young at the moment, what advice would you give to a teenage Adeem if you met him now <laughs> good question actually teenage Adeem and it's something that I spoke to, to a very good friend a couple of days ago actually was uh, you know being naive being young being energetic being full of dreams being full of passion got me where, where I am um, and just having really really good grounding and, and good morals and values which are not my own but which were instilled in me through family and uh, through the community I don't think I, I, I don't I, 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 I just watch I don't think I'd kind of I'd watch the journey from afar and think let's let's just enjoy enjoy watching the, the, the idiot do what, what he does because ultimately you know what it's I always say it's not about arriving when you want to do something you have a target when you've arrived you fulfilled your target and then you're you're looking for a new target the fun is in the journey the fun is in the traveling the fun is in the you know the exploring <clears throat> but when you've actually got where you want to get to when you found what you were looking for it's almost like job done isn't it so then you gotta you gotta start another, <laughs> journey. Find another journey. journey journey absolutely so tell us about your final piece that you'll take with you a sheikh mentioned this i went to i went to an islamic talk few weeks ago and he mentioned this and it and it kind of hit home and I thought you know what that's so true I think wisdom a lot of the time kind of gives you the strength and gives you the clarity of thought that you need and it's a, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step and a lot of time people are like oh my god how did you do that oh my god how shall I how shall I do that or where do I even start and you know it feels like a mammoth task and oh it's going to be it's going to be difficult it is it is going to be difficult it is going to be long it is going to be hard it is going to be challenging but even a thousand miles starts with the first step and then the second step and then the third step and then once you get going you get the momentum going and you'll do it inshallah if you're alive and you've got the health you'll, you'll eventually get there but you've got to start from somewhere that kind of just puts into perspective that this massive long impossible journey where does it start it starts with the first step okay just one step take those steps every day I take the steps to my car to the house to work whatever it's just one step but it's just one after another after another after another small little steps that gets you to a thousand miles and so as you're on this desert island on your own I mean how do you think you'll cope with that solitude and are you resourceful enough do you think you'll survive <laughs> you know what it's going to be hard because I take I, I do take my energy from other people from bouncing ideas from bouncing conversation of, of other people this is what Allah's willed for you this is where the destinies brought you then you know he is the best of planners and we from the little discussion and thank you so much for reminding me of such, so many good times as well through our discussions I'm sure he's got something better planned for me if that's if that was the case and if you could take a luxury item with you what would you take if I don't have if I could take a luxury item with me and I'd, I'm the only person on the on the island then I'd, it'd definitely be my iPhone because at least I'd be able to whatsapp people <laughs> 
WhatsApp people That's and cheating email a little bit while <laughs> on FaceTime. <laughs> the next best thing. Okay, Dean. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. Wish you all the best, inshallah, and in all the projects and endeavors that you're in. And Jazakallah, remember us in your du'as, inshallah. And you too. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Thank you for listening to Desert Island Gems. 